October 29th is our last class for Next Steps. So some of you that have been watching the videos, there's three videos online on our website. Uh, the website's been uh, refreshed, and they're still doing some more work on it, but it should be a little bit easier to navigate. So if you're looking to become a member, uh, go uh, watch those three videos. They're about 15 minutes apiece. And then on October 29th, we're going to have a little pizza party here where you get to meet some of the leaders. And... Um, uh, we just get to welcome you, and then there's a group that I have to introduce from our last class, and then I'll introduce this class. So uh, be doing that, and October 29th we can uh, have a, a final meeting for that. Uh, but before we um, get into the message this morning, can we just pray for Israel, the attacks that have been on that uh, country, and the, the heinous evil that is being released? So Father, we just lift up your people, your nation, God. And just pray for protection, for wisdom, for the prime minister, Lord, that you would just revoke evil in the name of Jesus, that you would set those that have been kidnapped free, Lord, the ones that lost their lives, Lord, that you would be close to the brokenhearted. Whatever the enemy is trying to do, God, we just plead the blood of Jesus over that nation, that country. We stand with Israel. Lord, we stand with Israel. We stand with Israel and all that it stands for, God. We just ask for your guidance. We ask for our country to get on board with defending them and helping them out. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, just going to... Noah, did you get that song? Did you guys able to get that? All right. Um, my text is going to be out of Isaiah 6, verses 1 through 8, so if you want to turn to that. Um, but this song, let it just uh, begin to prep your heart. Um, it's been on my heart ever since, uh, for the last several weeks, just uh, been playing. I've been waking up with it in my heart. And so i just been going to the scripture about it. I'm going to be sharing a little bit about it this morning. But as you listen to this song, just let it prepare you for uh, the word here this morning. Spirit and the 
Isaiah 6, 1 through 8. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne. He was high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphims. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one cried to, the, to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphims flew to me, having in his hands a live coal, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away. Your sin has been purged. Also I heard the voice saying of the Lord, saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And then I said, Hear my, send me. This scripture I've been dwelling on all week, because there's something about here in Isaiah, the prophet, the one who, who, who prophesies Jesus the Messiah coming. There's something about this vision and this revelation that I want us to kind of continue to set our, our, our month here of October on focusing on God's holiness, his greatness, the, how magnificent he is. And I can't help but get away from worship. I can't help but just trying to be in his presence because the more you're in his presence, the more, I don't know about you, but the more I want to be in his presence. And the things that I, I used to do and I, that, I, that took my time, they, they, they grow strangely dim as the song goes. There's something unique that happens about being in his presence. And, and while the enemy tries so hard to keep us out of taking time for him. But so for me, as I read the, these verses and, and going through Bible school and, and being saved for as long as I have, I, I've read this countless times. And I automatically jump to, to the, the Christian verse on number 8 where he said, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And in a room full of Christians, when the Spirit is moving, we automatically say, here am I, send me, right? Here am I, I'll go, God, I'll do it. I'll be the Savior of the world with you. I can take that on. I'll do that. But I think that's eventually where we need to be in our heart and our response to this verse. But if we don't grab hold of the first seven verses, we'll never really under, understand what it says, here am I, send me. Because when Isaiah has this vision where King Uzziah died, first of all, it's telling me that our God is alive. People will come into place, there'll be presidents, there'll be governors, there'll be people in leadership, there'll be pastors that come and go, but God lives forever. And he looked up and he saw the Lord sitting on the throne. He was high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. I'm going to share with you this morning four things, and there's probably a whole lot more, but four things that stuck out to me as I got into these first eight verses. And I think it just helps us kind of focus on where the Lord wants to take us 
this month. Are you okay with going hard after God to, to, to have him expose those things in our lives, the things that we're, we're aware of, the things that we're not aware of, so we can get closer to him, so we can come to a place and say, here am I, send me. Let me be your representative. Because there's nothing in my life that's all been covered by the blood. Everything I've laid down to you, Jesus. Because I was talking with, with Tom Brennan this, over at the, the men's cookout, which was a great time, by the way. Thank you, Todd, Art, and Gary for putting on uh, that. And I'm just not, just not man enough to sleep out there with you guys yet. <laughs> but I was talking with him, and, and he shared something with me that just connected with my spirit, is that God will always raise and have a remnant. He will always have a people that are set apart, chosen to do things, to, to, to be so close to him that, that Jesus is first and, and we are second. I want to be a part of that remnant. And to be a part of that remnant, there's, there's, a, there's a consecration, there's a setting apart, and we're going to get more into that throughout the month. But Isaiah was on to something here, and we have to keep that in mind that God will always have a remnant. A people of his own, the nation of Israel, the people that he's called unto himself for such a time as this. So the first thing I see in Isaiah 6 here is, number one, is majesty. I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on his throne. Can you imagine that, being Isaiah and having this vision of heaven? And you see the majesty, the magnificent awesomeness, the glory of God in all of its splendor. And he's sitting there in his glory, in his beautifulness. I don't know if that's a word. In, in everything that he is, he sees him the way that he needs to be seen. And I don't know if I always see God like that. I see him in my own little speck, my, 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 my smallness, but as we're getting into this book on crazy love, and we, we had a great, another great Wednesday night with about 60-plus people out in the two different groups, and God is just having a good time with us there. But this book, Crazy Love, on how infinite we really are, how finite, how small we are in, in the big scope of who he is, and how huge our God is. And I, I, again, I feel like just a new believer again. I feel like God is just blowing on embers that were just lit on fire as a young Christian. Because I'll be honest with you, when I said yes to this, I, I was asking the Lord, do you really want me to do this? Because I don't want to do church. I don't want to do programs. I don't want to, to get caught up in, in you know, colors and, and, you know, doing this and, and, well, we've always done that and just all the, 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 the stuff that comes with that. I said, I'm not cut out for that. I want to be the church, and I want to be with people that want to be the church, that wants to be your hands and your feet, that, that, that are set apart for something different than our own building and our own agenda and our own ideas of how church should be. Amen? And I believe that he says, that's what I want from you. That's what I want from Zion. And that's why the, 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 the just, if you could be in my head sometimes, it'd be an amazing journey for you. It'd just be, I, I, I can't even get out of it sometimes. 
but just what, what the Lord is doing. And I was like, is, are you, is this right? Is this, and just the risk, and I just, I just want him and all of him, however that looks. And I don't want to put him in a box. I don't want to put him in, in a culture. I don't want to put him in, even in a Sunday morning. Want him to have his way in everything. And to have that, we have to really behold his majesty, the awesomeness of who he is. So what's that saying to me? That, 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 that heaven is okay. Heaven isn't coming apart at the seams. God isn't at his wit's end on the throne going, oh my goodness, what happened to Israel? Oh my goodness, what happened to, to Jonathan this week? Oh my goodness, what's going on in, in Canadagua? He sits on his throne in majesty with all power, all peace, and he has all control. We need to see him seated on his throne in every one of our situations, in every difficulty, in everything that's going on. Majesty. What, what crazy idea Madness that goes through our brain, the stupidity that goes through our brain that thinks that, that we have any right to, to, to bring this up and, and to question God and what he's doing. He's in control of everything. Whether you think so or not, or whether you've given him control or not, he's in control. So whatever fantasy, whatever thing you've been working on, like, oh, I, I got this, I got this. No, he's in control. And his plan will succeed. It's up to us to be a part of it or not. You cannot stop the plan of God, but you can miss it. And I don't want to miss it. I don't want to be in the way of it. I want to be right on the front of it. How, what, some of you roller coaster riders, do you like the front or the back? Yeah, you crazy people, you just want it all. If I'm going to ride that thing, I'm sitting in the front. And I'm, I'll wave to you from the ground. But this is what it is. We have no right at all to, God, to, to call God into question. Here's a blunt quote from Virginia Sten Owens. It's pretty blunt, and I'm sorry, but it, this guy had to be a little agitated in his spirit when he said this. And it's kind of how I feel, but I don't know if I would have said it this way, but I thought it would get our attention. And any of you drifting off to sleep, this will wake you up. He says... Let us get this one thing straight. God can do anything he damn well pleases, including damn well. And if it pleases him to damn, then it's done as a result pretty well. God's activity is what it is. There isn't anything else. Without it, there wouldn't be uh, anything including us as human beings. These human beings that presume to judge the very creator of everything that is. Pretty clear? God can do whatever he wants. Who do we think we are that we can stand in the way of his holiness, the way of his agenda, the way of his plan for our lives? If we are truly Christ followers, we will get a hold of seeing him seated on his throne. There are a few things more humbling that gives us a raw sense of his majesty. 
of the truth that God is absolutely respected and he deserves our respect. He is the Supreme Court. He is the legislator. He is the chief executor. After him, there is no appeal. Case closed. That's who our dad is. That's who our dad is. Majesty. Number two, mighty. Now this whole phrase, and the robe, and the train of his robe filled the temple. I used to think I knew what that meant. You know, I get a picture of a bride. She's got the huge train coming down and the maid of honor who's sweating by the end of the ceremony because she's trying to keep this thing flowing nicely at the, the, at the wedding and, and trying to make sure that the bride doesn't trip over it. And it's a beautiful thing, right? It's a nice train coming down and it's glorious and beautiful. But that is nothing in compare of the robe of his temple that, the, 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 that fills the temple the train of his robe that fills the temple. And this is what, what it is. As a king would go into battle, every victory, everybody that he conquered, every country that he conquered, he would take a piece of the king's robe that he conquered and cut it off and sew it onto his. And the longer your train was, that means the more victories that you had. And the train of his robe fills the temple. The train of his robe fills this temple. It's not like a little wedding ceremony where the, the train will be on a couple of steps here. The train of his robe would fill this place because our God does not lose. Our God defeats every evil that comes by him. There's not a victory that, there's not a, a, a battle that he hasn't lost. This should excite you. This is our God. As a little kid, you would say, my dad can beat up your dad. This one really works. Because he does not lose. He does not know how to lose. When a king had a long train, it symbolized strength and security. How many of you want that as your father? Somebody who is strength and secure. You tie that in with him sitting on the throne. John Piper says this, the glory of God is a manifestation of his holiness. He has already won every battle that you faced, every battle that you're facing, and every battle that you will face. Our God is to be revered. Our God is holy. Our God is magnificent. Our God is glorious, and our God is undefeated, just like the 1972 Miami Dolphins. There has not been one team. i got to put Miami in somewhere because we got our hat handed to us last week. Are there any Bills fans here? Or are you home watching the game? Oh, God bless you. These are real Bill fans right here. So the rest of them are home watching the game. But the 1972 Miami Dolphins, they had a perfect season. And every year since then, they pop a bottle of champagne when all the teams, when there's no chance of a team going undefeated. But this is so much more. Our God is undefeated. And no one will ever defeat my dad. 
So no, whatever you're facing, whatever you're going on, I see the Lord. He is high and exalted, sitting on his throne. And the train of his robe fills the temple. That should give you all security, all peace, everything that you need to live a Christian life. Dad has it in control. He's got this. He's got you. He's got me. And we don't have to worry. So number one, majesty. Number two, mighty. Number three, mercy. When we see him in his rightful place and when we see him as we're supposed to see him, something inside of us, the Holy Spirit convicts us and we cry out as Isaiah cries out and says, woe is me, I'm undone. Wow, God, you are incredible. You are awesome. And the closer we get to him, the more he reveals in his mercy the junk that's in our lives, the things that, that are sin that, that need to get rid of, the things that aren't sin that he wants. Do, do, am I communicating? That the closer we get to him, the things that hold on to us, the things that distract us, the things that, that cause us to give our time and our energy and our money to things that don't really matter, just drift and melt away. Oh, I don't have time to do this. I don't have time to go to that. What needs to go? When you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. So what needs to go to say that I'm all in on this? I surrender all. God, what he's asking us, church, is something so different than I've ever been a part of. And it's risky and it's scary, but there's so much peace in it. Because the pressure is gone to perform, to have to, to manufacture anything. It's, it's saying, just let me come in in all my glory and worship me for who I am, in the majesty of who I am. See me as who I am and what I've done and what I'm doing and what I will do for you. Don't get caught up with everything that you have to do and manufacture. I don't want any of that. I just want you in your heart. Come on, people. This should bring, bring us so, so much just relief in our Christian walk. Woe is me. Man, I'm unworthy. And when, 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 we're, when we have the conviction of the Holy Spirit, we come in and we're in his presence and we see him for who he is, it just breaks your heart. There's nothing like, oh, man. I can justify this, Lord. I could can, I can say, well, this really isn't what it looks like. There's none of that. It's just complete, utter falling on the grace of God and his mercy, saying, please remove this. If you don't want it, I don't want it. I don't want a desire for it. There's people in here that don't eat sugar, and if they taste sugar now, they, they just get sick. I mean, there's things like that. When you get rid of the things that you're not supposed to have in your life, when you taste it, it becomes disgusting to you. And this is what Isaiah is talking about here. I'm undone. I'm cut off. I've sinned. I'm miserable. Aren't you miserable when you're in your sin, when you're in your own flesh? You're just like, well, that's not working out. You're just miserable because God isn't the center of it. The Hebrew word in this verse actually means to be destroyed, to be ruined, or to perish. I don't want that. Fall on my knees, God, please. I'm undone. 
Woe is me. Peter said the same thing when, when Jesus did the miracle of the fish. Pulling all the fish and he gets out of the boat and he says, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. When Jesus reveals himself to us, sin can't help but go. Things of the flesh can't help but fall off. And the, the, the interesting thing that's tied into this, as I found as I was reading and studying it, is that the, the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years, it says she, she was fighting through the crowd, and she was so desperate that if she could only touch the hem of his garment, the robe, his train, if she could only touch that, what would happen? She would be restored. If we fight through the, the distractions and, and the things that are trying to bog us down, if we just get, Jesus, I just need to be where you are. And if I can grab hold of you, you're the difference maker, as we heard last week. You're the one that takes evil and turn it for good. Are you desperate enough to fight through all the distractions and say, God, I just need to be where you're at? That's why I love coming to church on Sunday mornings because I love worshiping. I love worshiping with you. And I love being with God's people. She was considered unclean until she was touched by the one who heals. Was, was Jesus walking down and doing healings? No. He was just being who he is in all of his glory. And somebody with faith, faith said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. Some of you are so desperate that you just need a touch from the hem of his garment. Because when we get these, these three things lined up, the number four, the mission, happens organically. When we hear the Lord saying, who shall I send and who will go for us? That us is the Trinity he's talking about there. See, the Trinity's involved in all this. Who's going to go for me? Who's going to go? But it's not until we see the Lord in his majesty, the Lord in his might, and the Lord in his mercy will we ever fulfill his mission. Vanessa, if you would come up. Does this make any sense? Is this challenging you like it's been challenging me, or is this something I should just keep to myself? Church, we're going in a different direction. Not for the sake of going in a different direction, but the sake of I want him and I want to behold his glory. And I understand that some of this might not be everybody's cup of tea, that you want some other structure and things like that, and I... I get that. But I have to be obedient to what I feel like the Lord is impressing on my heart. I can't get away from his presence right now. And I don't want to. What a revelation if you get to him like Isaiah and say, I saw the Lord. Can you look at any of your situation right now and just lift your eyes to him and say, I see you, Jesus. You are high and lifted up. You're exalted. 
and the train of your robe fills my heart. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? How many of you want the train of his robe to fill your temple? Displace everything that's not of him. When we see him in his majesty, in his glory, in his goodness, in his might, that an all-merciful God can be so powerful and strong where he knows no defeat. Have we sold God short in our relationship? Do we really believe that for our own lives? This is where the remnant comes. When you grab hold of this in his majesty, that we serve a mighty God, and yet he's so merciful and kind that when we come to him in, our, in his presence and we are convicted of our sin and the things that aren't sin but are, are holding us back from a deeper level of relationship with him, he doesn't come with a big hammer. He comes with open arms. And saying, I'm calling you, I'm setting you apart. And honestly, folks, I honestly believe this from the bottom of my heart. When we go after God the way that I know that he wants us to go after him in spirit and in truth, healings will come. Deliverance will come. Everything that we need, we'll get and more. I'm so convinced of that. I want to break off any, any disappointment of the past of unanswered prayers that you feel that you have, unmet expectations of where you think you should even be in your relationship with the Lord. Met with a guy this week. He said, I love Jesus, but I'm just mad at him. Going through all these expectations in his mind. Again, I think I said this last week. In the valley of expectations and reality, that valley there is sorrow. It's filled with sorrow. But we need to press through and lift our eyes and see him seated, high and exalted. I know I'm repeating that, but that's such a beautiful picture. Just close your eyes. See him in his majesty, in his glory. It's presented in the, in the crazy love book that, that Jesus, the Trinity, God, the Holy Spirit, it, it's a spirit with rubies and diamonds and, and just gold and, and all this glory. Can't even imagine what that looks like. But if I could, it would be just mind-blowing and so captivated that even in my, my own state, if I saw that, what could I even say? I'd just stand there in awe, in reverence. I'd say, Lord, I want more of this. I want all of this. 
just stand with me this morning as we just close out here. Like I asked in the very beginning, I'm not asking you to do anything that I don't feel like the Holy Spirit is already working in me. But I'm convinced that if we see him the way Isaiah saw him and we cry out to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Lord, fill this world with your glory. For my eyes have seen the King in verse 5, the Lord of hosts. Something happens that when your eyes are open and you see him for who he really is, the Lord wants to remove any colored glasses that we might be wearing when we bring in our conversations with him. He wants to remove mindsets, years of stinking thinking. And he wants to reveal himself as a king who is majestic, as a king who is mighty, as a king who is merciful, and a king that has a mission for us. going to go into a time of worship and if you just need to respond just come to the altar let the Holy Spirit continue to work on you again if you're good and you just want to go out and have conversations just take it out into the foyer into the cafe that's open but keep this place holy and let the Lord just do business with those that he's speaking to I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Lord, blow us away by your powerful presence. Touch us in this holy moment as we just get out of the way and let you speak to us. So I just open up the altar to let you respond the way that you feel the Holy Spirit is touching on you. In this passage, the pastor has been speaking. This isn't the time of Isaiah's initial conversion when we come like the man at the temple that said, I'm a sinner. Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. In that moment, it's the, the awareness that we are sinners. And there's a conversion that calls us over into now we speak of it as being born again, a new creation. But this thing that happened to Isaiah, 
is a time of revelation that's fresh for him of the goodness and greatness and power and holiness and everything pastor has just said. But in seeing the holiness of God, there was an area of his life where sin was concentrated. I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell among a people of unclean lips. It was an area of concentration. But that's an area of his life that God wanted to use in fresh ways, to use his mouth, to use his lips. And those lips have to be cleansed before he can truly say these words, here am I, send me. It's the awareness of where we're falling short or it's the, where the light is shined upon us. As Pastor has said this morning, it's not necessarily the kind of sin that we sinned when we were sinners, but it's something that's falling short of the glory, something that needs to be newly consecrated where the sin has been concentrated and what it really is is the concentration of the light of God on that area to say I want to use that area I want to use you and what pastor has spoken is to us today is it's not necessarily a bad bad thing it's a thing that's keeping us from that total consecration of every part so let's, let's believe today, and I believe for myself as well, that God will put his light, that I don't even have to go searching it. God puts his light on an area that he says, I want another level of consecration to make that holy. That text is in the midst of all that's going on in among God's people and even today as we pray for Israel we have to understand that God is committed to holiness for his holy people and so we call ourselves to the altar where we can be altered and so thank you Father for your Holy Spirit today that calls us to fresh consecration. And together we say, here am I, send me, knowing that you can make us holy, set apart for God's holy purpose. Focused, focused conviction comes not just because of bad sin. It comes because of the newness of the call of God in that area. And we consecrate ourselves in Jesus' name. Thank you for that, Sylvia. As the altars are open, as we just close in worship. 
consider this a release if you need to go. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. But don't be dope too quick to just linger if he's asking you to.
Lebanon song. Sing it. 